0: Hello, everyone. Good morning, Um, really great to see a bunch of people logged in today and uh, all of us in our in our now very comfortable home office little little web web broadcasting spaces um, are are happy to connect with all of you. So um, I'm Rochelle Tong and I'm here for Alberta Mentoring Partnership, but I'm also an employee of Alberta Children's Services. And uh, I'll be the facilitator of this webinar that you're attending right now, which is around initiating matching and or group mentoring virtually. Um, It's the fourth of a series of of COVID-19 town halls that uh, Alberta Mentoring Partnership has been putting on. So um, if you haven't had a chance to attend uh, the others, I'll point out in a a few minutes where you can see the recordings of those um, if some of the other subjects are also of interest to you. Uh, We will be exploring the possibilities on how you may be initiating matches and facilitating group mentoring amid COVID-19 restrictions. So personally, I think this this topic is really, um, really interesting because I think there's a lot of different things happening for people and uh, uh, everything's happening in slightly different ways. Um, and I think it's really interesting to be able to hear what different agencies are finding is working well, um, the different challenges that are coming up, and uh, as we're sort of seeing lots of different opportunities. I am at home with my my family of co-workers here, and I will do my best to keep, um, you know, minimal interruptions, but I can only do so much, so I, my toddler is in the room at the moment, and I'll mute when I can, but we might be hearing a little <laughs> of what's going on in the background. Um, so I'm just gonna go uh, have each of our panelists introduce themselves for a moment here. So we'll start with Amy and then Jennifer and then Emma, if you could just say a little bit about which organization you're here from, a little bit about your role and maybe um, like how you're feeling this this week about how work's going, it's the start of a Monday morning, how it's going so far.
1: Well, good morning. I'm Amy Jeske, and I am the community based manager um, for our mentoring team in Edmonton Boys and Girls Clubs, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And uh, so I oversee our entire community based team um, and Youth in Care and Circle programs. So all the one to one mentoring and some of our group programming. Um, and how I'm feeling this week? Well, it's rainy and I'm happy for my garden, um, but now, you know, I'm feeling like it's time for some sun. So I hope to see that this week, but um, otherwise uh, looking forward to summer. So, yeah.
2: Awesome, yeah. thanks for being here, Amy. Uh, Jennifer. Hey there. Um, so my name is Jennifer McIsaac and I'm a team lead with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Calgary area. And so I oversee our community child-based mentoring um, as well as our school-based uh, programming. Um, So definitely switching to the online world has um, been good and challenging at the same time. Um, For me, it's sunny where I am right now, which is a change from a lot of the rain that we had over the weekend. So starting the week off on a positive note. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's awesome how the sun kind of um, impacts our mood so much, at least for me. Um,
3: Emma. Good. I'm Emma I'm the community-based uh, caseworker at Big Brothers Big Sisters here in Lethbridge and uh, I've been in my position for four years which is great and it's beautiful and sunny here as well and that's made me feel really awesome today and I just had a great weekend out in my garden so
0: yeah yeah it's been kind of an excited. Weekend for gardeners. I also really attached to my garden and seeing things kind of pop up and new things bloom is uh, one of the things that keeps me happy these days. So.
3: And also. Good I self um, To run Go Girls, um, back in 2016, and then I was taken away from that role. But recently, with COVID, I've been running some Go Girls groups as well. So. Awesome. Some group mentoring too.
0: Yeah. Great. Excited to hear how that's been going. Um, so it looks like we have a fair number of attendees who've logged in to, to join us here today. It looks like it's about 32 people um, listening in or attending. Uh, if those of you on the line wouldn't mind, just uh, we'd like to get a sense of who you are and where you're here from. If you can enter into the chat, um, either the location you're calling from or the agency you're here. Uh, representing or what what sort of role you're in Um, and please at any point during during the talk uh, please submit any questions or things you're curious about or things we haven't touched on Um, like we have a few questions that we'll go through and then we'll leave some time at the end for questions and answers Um, but you can submit those at any time you don't have to wait for for us to to pause for a question period so i'll just get um andy to let me know as people are submitting their responses there um because i i think i'm not able to see necessarily always when people submit um where they're here from so
3: yeah hey, from calgary I'm in Nevada. um Calgary, Fort McMurray, Edmonton, Wood Buffalo, all over the
0: place today. Great, that's awesome to see just the whole province represented, and we really like uh, these these times to be as much of a dialogue as we can. And of course, that's always a bit of a challenge in this platform, but we ask you to to help us out with that and just you know um, interact in whatever way. comfortable with but using the chat is a great option and also when we do the q a we'll take everybody off of mute so you have a chance to um, to ask questions outright as well um, through the audio either if you're on the phone or on your computer so we will do that in a in a little bit so um Yeah before we jump into all the questions and things I just wanted to direct people to the website you should be able to see um, I think Andy has up there the AMP website uh, webpage for uh, COVID-19 response town halls so I just wanted to skim through um, the subjects of the other town halls that we've done so far and where you'll be able to find the videos so that's the webpage at albertamentors.ca slash COVID-19 If you log on there, you'll be able to see the one we did on organizational communication, also supporting existing programs, recruiting, screening and training. Those were the the subjects of the last three. Um, And then this is our final one in this series. We will be looking back to see what people submitted as other things they wanted to know. And if if there seems to be enough to to offer another webinar, um, we will do that. And I'll have some evaluation sort of questions uh, towards the end of this webinar. So if you would mind letting us know if these have been valuable to you, if you'd like to see us continue to do some more, we really just wanna be responsive to whatever our, our community is asking for. So um, yeah, if you value these chances to connect and if you're getting a lot out of it, and if you think there's some um, some topics that are maybe coming up as being more relevant or, or things we haven't uh, touched on, or maybe we need to revisit a topic again as things are changing so rapidly that a month ago, um, things looked a lot different than they do now. And people are talking about um, stage two and re-entry and all of this kind of reopening. So if, if that's something we wanna keep a dialogue uh, going about, please let us know and, and we'll try and assist with that. Um, also, we have up there, the uh, connection in a time of social distancing tips for COVID-19 pandemic so that's a an adaptation from a resource from Mentor in the States the National Mentoring Partnership and uh, might be a, a helpful resource if it's something that um, that you haven't already had a chance to look at and also there's a there's a form there at the bottom if you want to add a question there or propose a topic that's another way that you can let us know um, a way that, uh what you'd like to hear from us and and maybe we need to keep doing some more of these and we're happy to do that if that's what people would like to see happen great okay i think we're ready to kind of launch in to to the questions now so um what i try to do is just uh I'll let you know who I'm expecting a response from but I like to leave time for each panelist to give a response to the same question um and I'll just try and mix it up a little bit so we're not going in the same order every time and uh, if people have you know more to say on one question less to say to another question just just let me know uh so obviously we've seen so much changing in how we've done uh matching and group mentoring um since what was considered I don't know traditional or like four months ago the norm um so we just want to highlight different ways that your agency has shifted those practices um and and help to understand uh what's the same and what's different across different agencies responses and be able to share what's working what's interesting and uh, challenges and opportunities i think something that maybe has surprised people is how many sort of opportunities we're seeing with all of this um, necessary change instead of just like oh wow this is a lot of change and a, and a lot of challenge coming our way but it's really interesting how much um, opportunity and positives can come out of all of that shifting so um, I'll I'll start with Amy first again but then I'll mix it up after this um, have you been in that, uh, initiating matches that have never met before in a virtual environment and what is different about that process compared to uh, initiating matches that have had the chance to meet in person or um, uh, prior to restrictions? And then if you wanna say a little bit about what are the maybe challenges or advantages to implementing that system or having that system in place?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, so we uh, of course had to sort of gather our bearings whenever COVID really hit. and when the restrictions went in place for people to see in per- each other in person. Um, so we had to work hard at delivering that messaging to all the volunteers kind of sitting in our queue waiting to be matched, um, who came to us thinking that they'd have an in-person match and had to explain so, where things were at. Um, so the response was great. like Families were still uh, thrilled that we were going to be continuing to match. Uh, so we just had to work with our volunteers to see what might be possible. Um, one of the advantages uh, is that a match can usually happen pretty quickly, um, playing them together. And uh, there's a little bit less commitment in the sense of the volunteer isn't driving. There's pretty much no money being spent anymore. Um, and in most cases, it's not requiring quite as much time. So it, where a match I have been doing anywhere from one to three hours a week or every other week, um, we're being a lot more flexible and saying, you know, 15 minutes or an hour weekly to connect or, uh, it can look quite different. Um, so a challenge might be that we've seen um, sometimes a family's access to technology isn't always there. Um, or their willingness or the ability for you to engage with the mentor virtually. It can be a different platform for kids to get used to. Uh, I know a lot of kids were getting used to it with schooling, but um, some like it and some don't. Uh, or they can get a little bit distracted. Um, and they might be getting a little bit tired of engaging online. So um, while there are tons of fun, fun activities that the facilitators have found for the youth, like there's an amazing resource you know, online with all the different things you can do. Um, so it really just depends on that youth and the volunteer and, and what it's kind of looking like. Everybody's really unique and what they can engage with or not. So um, yeah, we, we've learned a lot in the process in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, I think that's important thing to mention that people are uh, like kids of all ages are being asked to connect virtually. And sometimes a lot of their day is spent in these kind of virtual connections. And so it can be tiring. I'm sure all of us know what that's like the more and more we, we have online meetings, but Also, kids of different ages and different personalities just respond so differently to to that. And of course, we want their connections with their mentors to always be a positive, something to look forward to. Right. So that's a bit of a a different context. Um, Jennifer, uh, do you want me to repeat the question or are you you able to respond?
2: I can respond. Awesome. Um, So very similar to what Amy has already said. Um for our matches that we're initiating virtually we're looking at the kids that are about 10 years and up just based on things like concentration level and attention span Um, we haven't piloted with the younger kiddos yet but that could potentially be our next step Um, and so i think the difference is like amy said as well just navigating the new online platform Um, some kids are really used to it some kids are still learning same thing for our mentors Um, i think the advantages are Um, Again, like Amy said, is just being able to match quicker and not have as many um, mentors and young people waiting because of the COVID, Um, really just being able to move the work forward. Challenges, again, those technological, you know, internet connections, not having access to a laptop um, or those types of things. Sometimes the paperwork is a challenge. So at our initial match meeting in person, we would have them fill out their contact information. They would sign the match agreement and then they would swap it. And then we would make sure to have a copy. But when you're doing it online, um, it really relies up to the parent guardian and the volunteer to sign things electronically and get it back to us. So we've been having a bit of a hard time getting those pieces back Um, and so, Sometimes I think our coordinators are having a little bit of a harder time assessing in the match meeting, is this a really good fit? Whereas in person that the natural chemistry, um, you know, the body language, you can pick up a lot from that. Whereas when you're doing it virtually, sometimes it's hard to assess. So our coordinators have just been um, doing the match meeting and then giving everyone the evening or two to really think about it before anyone makes a decision, which I think has been pretty positive. Um, so yeah, like Amy said, a lot of the challenge and similarities are pretty much the same for us as well.
0: Yeah, and there's a certain amount, uh, sorry, element of that that's just intuitive where people, when they're in the same physical space together, are able to say, like, do I connect with that person? And so to kind of take that out of our our kind of um, comfort zone, I guess, and have to just assess it in a different way is uh, a new headspace for families, too, as well, probably to say, do I, yeah, do I feel like there's a connection and a trust with this person that I haven't been able to meet? physically, right? Um, Yeah, the same question over to you, Emma.
3: So a lot of it's been covered already. Uh, One of the positives that I have been making matches virtually, and there are pros and cons. uh, One of the positives is that for our shyer kids, I'm finding that it gives them uh, a more comfortable space to connect with someone that they don't know. Um, sometimes uh, some kids come into the office quite nervous about the process and the online platform just gives them more time and space to to meet their new big, uh, so that's a positive. But on the flip side, it's taking longer to make the connections like you mentioned when you come into the office to meet um, there's a natural process that happens through body language and that kind of thing which isn't happening so I'm, i'm guessing that um by the one year point they just won't be as deeply connected as they would have been if they were if they started by meeting in person also for I made some matches back in February before COVID and I've noticed that they just haven't had the same connection meeting online. Um, We get them to rate it on a scale out of 10 and I'm just not seeing the results that we would see if they were meeting in person. Um, So some pros and cons there for sure. And there was something else I was gonna mention that uh, Jennifer sort of hit on. It'll come back to me.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Um, have you? I'll just start with you, Emma, since you're already speaking. But do you find that there's interest? That interest is different, maybe, from different people around the idea of having a a virtual-only mentoring. Or maybe I should also kind of back up a little bit on that question. Is is that what the expectation is for matches that you're forming right now? That this might be virtual only or is the expectation set that this is starting virtually but that's likely temporary and then it would transition to an in-person relationship even though it's starting in a virtual only setting
3: we've been really flexible with our volunteers during this time we've had some say well i'm just going to I have some extra time during COVID to volunteer and I normally wouldn't um, but I'd like to connect with my little over a virtual platform for four months so we have some matches that are just going to meet virtually for a short period of time which is something we wouldn't normally do we ask for a one-year commitment and then we have other matches who will be meeting virtually um, until they're comfortable to meet in person as the restrictions lift and so really just trying to accommodate what the family and the volunteer would like one of the advantages is that we're hoping that we can reach out to more of our rural kids um, who wouldn't get a match because they live for example in warner or so about an hour away from their big and we find it difficult to find volunteers who want to drive that far so the virtual platform is a good option because there's, there's no driving. So I hope that, that answers
0: some questions. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I think that that uh, there's, there's optimism, especially like you said, around virtual and remote matching being able to happen. Um, but I think also hesitation also, like you mentioned, Emma, around are people still able to create the depth of relationship that's necessary for it to be Helpful and and um, create that connection that we know is important, right? So um, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm sure there's different research projects being initiated and evaluation projects being initiated and those kinds of things that hopefully will shed some light on those things on, on each of those elements as as time goes along. But it's interesting to see just the um, yeah the in, the initial kind of markers that you're seeing about whether people are able to to connect. I also nope. think it's yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Go
3: ahead. Most of my matches are meeting virtually temporarily, with the expectation that they'll continue their year in person.
0: Great. Yeah. Great. Um, and uh, Jennifer, is that also consistent in your organization, or or is it mm-hmm. a bit different than what's what Emma described?
2: Yeah, so exactly. We are initiating the new matches virtually, but the premise is is that they would meet in person once it's safe to do so. Um, In terms of, you know, has there been interest? We haven't had any feedback from any of our families or volunteers wanting to move to a virtual platform only. Um, But to be fair, we, I guess, haven't asked that either. Um, So I think Everyone knows that it's uh, virtual just for the time being, but I mean, who knows, right? In a couple months um, from now, maybe the online world, uh, there might be more of an interest in that. And so that's something that we would definitely explore, but as of now, um, it's just because of the circumstance.
0: Yeah, thanks. And Amy, what are you seeing in, in the Edmonton and surrounding areas?
1: But yeah, so anybody uh, that we match virtually after March 16th onwards, we plan to create a plan for um, reintroducing all the parties uh, again. And so we're sort of sorting through what that might look like as nothing has been super straightforward, of course. Um, And so we know that creates a lot of extra work and trying to map that out and like everywhere else, trying to figure out how do we relaunch in-person meetings as well um, for any matches that were existing before this happened. So um, any mat or sorry, any volunteer that we do enroll right now that we're recruiting for and matching, um, the intent is for them to eventually meet back in person uh, with the youth. So we're not um, promoting it as just a virtual only um, in the long run. Um, however, Edmonton is piloting uh, staff mentoring programs. We have four um, staff uh, that we moved into this new team that are mentoring youth one to one virtually. So they have like caseloads of youth uh, up to 25. Um, so we selected youth that have more challenges or need a mentor um, for this. and. Uh, It's been going well so far, so we're excited about that project, too.
0: So is that just so I understand a a new opportunity for your staff to act as a mentor to youth as opposed to a match facilitator? And are they taking on when you say a caseload, is that like a caseload of being a mentor to that number of youth or just one or two youth that they're also mentoring in addition to their facilitating roles?
1: so they are acting as the mentor so not using a volunteer in this role but it's the staff Mm -hmm. that's building that um, one-to-one relationship with each youth on their caseload so we'll call the caseload Mm -hmm. internally Um, of course not to them but uh, so they meet with them weekly and same kind of a plan of that 15 minutes or up to an hour each week with them planning a fun activity having meaningful conversations um and so that was implemented as a strategy to um it's a time that we could take the advantage of piloting it now uh
2: mm-hmm.
1: and see how it goes so we're doing that for into the summer that started in may um and we will do that to at least the end of august if not longer
0: mm-hmm. i'm really curious to hear about how that goes both for the for the staff like that's a lot of a lot of relationships to be juggling I mean I know that's always part of the staff's roles because you're connecting with a lot of people but um, yeah curious to hear hear how that experiment as all these things are um, goes yeah Um, for sure. mm -hmm. so um, just to talk a little bit about the group mentoring programs as well and and if, um, if it's helpful to differentiate between group mentoring that wasn't in school or group mentoring that is in school I know that be kind of be being addressed differently um, uh, based on uh, restrictions that schools are putting in place but um, have you been moving existing group mentoring programs to online and what's different about that process and again are you seeing challenges or or advantages to that and I'll start with Jennifer
2: this time so we don't actually do any group mentoring programs so that would be a no Um, our school-based programs we've had um, as Emma mentioned in the past, we've done things like Go Girls. Um, we've done a boys rack group for Game On, um, but that kind of stopped with the school year, well, with the schools um, closing down. And so really we just continue to focus on the one-to-one. So can't really provide much insight there, sorry. No, that, no, that's
0: fine. I mean, it's one of the examples about how different agencies are structured differently with different areas of focus, right? And so that is what we we do wanna hear about that. Um, I'll go to Amy again
1: then. Sure, Um, so we had our youth in care waitlist group that had to wrap up early, the in-person. And so we've moved it now this spring um, to online. Uh, We have some network groups that run, um, which is like our youth employment post-secondary readiness program that that facilitator runs. And then our clubs um, that we had open moved online as well. So each site has its own club programming um as well as some of our match activities continue uh, virtually as well so um yeah we had on average there's about five to six kids that will log into each of these sessions and that's a very rough estimate across all the groups that we're offering um so the trend seems to be like smaller groups with the youth online um part of that we think is you know the interests or availability um willingness to engage on on those platforms Um, So yeah, we've tried to kind of bring our numbers up. I know the club sites can get up to 12 um, youth maybe at at a time. Uh, But it's been been a little bit hit or miss um, in terms of advantages and challenges. I think for the older youth with our network groups, um, the types of activities and interests they can offer um, has been great for them to engage on and a little bit more tangible things like learning how to do an interview or build a resume. or learning more about certain post-secondary institutions. It's of course, you know, our younger yeah. younger ones that um, you need to kind of keep busy um, mm-hmm. and doing more than one activity online. Um, and then again, hoping that they stay logged in for the duration of the half hour, hour, whatever it is. So um, we've had quite a spectrum of groups that we've been trying to offer and learning again, quite a bit through that. And again, if they have the technology to be able to log in is another uh, issue in itself. So, so yes, right. we've been trying to yeah. run those.
0: So and is that something you intend to continue doing through the summer, like after school is no longer happening or?
1: Um, for You Think Your waitlist group, it's going to be wrapping up uh, this week as it we normally would have wrapped up at the end of the school year and not mm-hmm. run across the summer. Um, we are going to be offering some, so for some matched youth um, with the network facilitator um some of this similar kind of programming over the summer um, that they can log into as well um and i know our agency is looking at what might be possible with the phase two um, in Mm -hmm. alberta for summer programming with our clubs and our kids and doing small cohorts um, in a couple of our sites so um so i think there will still be some online groups over the summer but given it's just the natural time that we don't run the same types of programming, we start shifting yeah. into that summer programming. Um, we are sorting through a lot of that right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because my curiosity takes me to thinking if kids are connecting online for for school things or there's different things offered, then when there suddenly isn't, maybe there would be increased interest in like, oh, I still want to connect with some other kids or have some friends that I'm keeping in touch with. And the, and the teachers are no longer providing those sort of um, opportunities over the summer. Um, But then also the flip of that is people could just be really tapped out in terms of the virtual environment and want to go play at the park, which is totally understandable (laughs) Um, and really dependent on kids' interests as well. So, So Emma, what's that looking like with your organization?
3: That's exactly what it's looking like. We are running a Go Girls group. Uh, end of June through July. And that's how we've been uh, framing it to guardians that school's wrapping up so they won't have the virtual connection with their school and their teacher. So being a part of Go Girls might be a good way to keep social interactions going. On the flip side, the weather is so beautiful. So it'll be interesting to see how our attendance will be. Uh, My coworker and I, Uh, ran a Go Girls group at the end of April to the end of May, um, and we did five 40-minute sessions, and we offered it to the girls who were part of a Go Girls group, but then the group ended early when schools closed. So we had our forms signed already, um, so that made it easier to recruit the girls back to do the program over Zoom and we've got a couple of volunteers. We're doing a Game On group as well with uh, a male volunteer, and then we've also got a few more bigs who will be signing up for the next round at the end of June. So Go Girls and Game On has been one that you don't usually run over the summer, but uh, to offer programming in some way, we are gonna continue offering it online even in the fall just because we're so unsure about what schools will be doing. And we've had to close our ISM matches. So we have uh, what we're calling Go Girls and Game On community-based. So we are reaching out to kids on our wait list, kids um, like on the community-based wait list, kids who have been part of the program before, like all of the kids in any of our programs to offer these uh, 40-minute sessions.
0: Yeah, because I think there's a lot of uncertainty about when schools do come back in, are these programs gonna be an option because of bringing volunteers into a school setting and then just trying to minimize the whole, how many people are in a school setting at any given point of time, right? So that sounds very proactive, what you're doing to get people kind of registered for September for something that you can reliably offer, right, but isn't as dependent on on what schools are doing. Um, Yeah, that sounds very interesting.
3: Um, So so. in terms of attendance, we thought, well, we'll keep the groups small so they can be personable. But Mm. then we found some of them don't log on. So then we're left with two or three girls. So Mm. then we decided, okay, let's make our groups bigger to adjust for the fact that maybe some days we'll be missing girls because the weather is so beautiful. Um, So it's a lot of uh, trial and error going on over here.
0: For sure. I Also wonder something you mentioned earlier about like just different people's um, comfort level with a group environment, like for people who are a little more introverted or like there might be personality types where the online setting is a little more accessible than going to a place where they're gonna, you know, be with about like 10 or 15 other other kids and enter into that kind of like social environment so yeah that's it's really interesting that they have these different opportunities to explore different dynamics in in um, relationship engagement Um, so around that I just wanted to ask a little bit about the the virtual environment itself like how are you using different platforms based on what works for the agency or more what works for the matches either in the group sending or in the one-to-one? And are there, are you creating a bit of a like agency go-to list of like, oh, these are the ones that work better, or we like these platforms because of these features that help us to engage dif- differently? Or what are you learning around that? Like which technology uh, works or best supports these sorts of activities? I'll set it to you first, Emma.
3: Um, for the Go Girls group, April through May, we were offering it to the schools and using whichever digital platform the schools were using, just so that our families didn't have to keep learning a different platform. So for some groups, we used Google Meets. For some groups, we used Zoom, Google, like Google Classroom. And we, we found that that worked best. Um, The attendance was higher because the kids already knew how to use the technology. Um, But as an agency, we use Teams quite often and we use Zoom. But yeah, we just have a running list of different options. And when I'm making matches online, I just say what would work best for you. And the volunteers have mentioned Google Duo. Um, all sorts, and we just support whichever platform they would like to use.
0: So the agency staff just become kind of the jack of all platforms and be like, we'll facilitate whatever whatever you're willing to connect with, we will learn how it works and make it work for you.
3: And then for the summer programs that aren't, it's community-based, so the schools aren't involved in the summer programs, so Mm -hmm. we we have decided to use Zoom.
0: Okay. And is there, are there particular reasons for choosing
3: Zoom for that? Um, well, there's only three of us here at the office right now and our executive director has a Zoom account. So <laughs>
0: that, that works Fair. well. Yeah, totally. Um, Amy, how's that kind of working out in terms of like the plethora of options for connecting virtually and, um, and what you guys are using to connect?
1: Very similar to what uh, Emma said, using Google Meets, Google Classroom, Zoom, Um, Teams we tend to use more just for our staff. Um, I know kids are using it though for schools, but um, that tends to be the easiest, using what they already know. Uh, Zoom, we've just used primarily for a lot of our interviews or follow-ups to get done that way Um, and for some of our groups. But yeah, we've had to just kind of, we just jumped right into figuring them all out, um, allowing matches to use what makes uh, sense for them too, such as like WhatsApp um, or FaceTiming or just calling, texting, email, all that kind of stuff. Just being still though aware about like their social media um, and being careful on that, but otherwise been pretty open-ended to what they can um, communicate on. So yeah, it's been, we've gotten really proficient pretty fast figuring it all out
0: yeah and i think like those of us who don't have to connect with as many different ones but you just sort of find there's a lot of similarity and start being able to improvise a little more right
3: yeah
0: um jennifer have like you can discuss in terms of what you're using for one-to-one matching because i know you're not facilitating groups but um how's it been going for the agency in terms of the options available and um, and what you're able to support for for those matches to connect. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, like everyone had said already, we really let the volunteer and the mentors and the matches kind of decide what works for them. So it might be Zoom, it might be Google Hangouts, WhatsApp, Facetiming. Um, so because we don't, it's not a group program where we don't need to facilitate it. They're kind of up to um, whatever works best for them. Uh, internally, we we use Teams, we use Zoom, um, we had a matched event virtually, and we did, I believe, Google Hangouts, I think, was the platform that we used, um, and then we do have a Zoom account for the agency, so I think we'll be using that a little bit more for volunteer interviews and such. Yeah, there's it's really
0: interesting how there's so many options out there, and of course, all of those um, business is booming for each of those platforms and they're they're also developing new features constantly. So I think they're going to become more and more similar. Um, Amy, we had a question come in directed towards you wondering, um, this person said, I'm curious to know how, I think they're referring to the staff, um, mentors so many littles like 25. Um, so I'm sure we can oh. just kind of imagine exactly what they're referring to
1: there, but can you think you can address that question a little bit? Um, just so I understand the volume of like having that many kids to pair? I think so. Okay. So in Edmonton, our waitlist for kids for the community-based program is about 900, 950. So it's pretty big. Uh, So this was a great opportunity for us to start serving kids that have been waiting or are harder to match or have more challenges in their life. that we could pair with a skilled staff that's got all the training, got all the experience working with kids um, and let them kind of go for go for it on a virtual platform and, and um, connect them that way. So to give context, um, that's how big our wait list is. So while um, 25 kids times four staff is you know up to 100 kids, sounds like a lot. Um, it's kind of just trying to tackle a fraction of those kids on our wait list. Um, Mm -hmm. with our traditional community-based program though with all the volunteers under our facilitators uh, we have about 650-ish matches open Mm -hmm. um, on that side of things so that kind of gives the scope a little bit better if that's what they're the information they're looking for
0: well and i think um some of what they might be wondering about is probably still a bit unknown seeing as you're you're trying it out and so Mm -hmm. you'll learn a lot about um how it's possible to connect with that many littles at once or you know what works or doesn't work about that that number of yes. connections right um either for the kids yeah. or for the the staff as well so yeah and we'll see
1: what it looks like heading into summer you know all matches as everyone said as the weather gets nicer um kids are outside more we'll see you know, how that goes, Um, but I know for the staff right now, they schedule about five sessions a day. If you want to do like about an hour for each kid, um, not everybody shows up, not everything goes as long, right? So um, we've kind of mapped out five kids per day times five days. So, you know, just try and really break it down to some simple math and see, we just keep going through the process. Um, We're going to have a little bit of an evaluation attached to it um so yeah definitely more info to come because you know it's a, a big interest to a lot of a lot of folks
0: yeah for sure so um some of the other questions that i had queued up we've sort of covered them just in the answers of everything else so i think the one i still um would like to ask about is um as things are sort of gradually or maybe not so gradually shifting back to the old normal that we were used to Um, do you think that there's uh, things you'll potentially continue to do differently um, and do in an online space where you had it before like do you think that um, interviewing and matching might continue to happen virtually or or ultimately do you think everything will kind of revert back to how it was before, even if that takes um, a while to happen? So maybe I'll pass that one to Jennifer first.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good question. Um, in terms of the actual matches, I think it would be great if we can combine more virtual and in-person, because I think it cuts down on some barriers for volunteers in terms of driving time and um, you know cost of activities. So if a mentor can, you know, jump on a Zoom or an online platform to mentor with their mentee, you know, one visit out of five, let's say, then I think they're still connecting and still meeting the requirements. So I think we will start looking at things differently in that regard, um, in terms of like the engagement process, interviewing and training. I know ideally it's great to be able to meet with our volunteers and families in person to really get a sense of, you know, who they are and what their experiences are. now we are doing it online, and I think our engagement team has been doing a really good job of being able to assess motivation and experience. Ultimately, I think their preference would be in person from an assessment standpoint, but I don't think that would rule it out for future. If um, you know, if we could pilot some online training with volunteers for, instead of them having to come to the office, I think we would be able to train a lot more um, or many more volunteers faster. So these are all things that we are looking at um, and it just kind of depends on what, what it does look like moving forward in terms of in-person or just strictly virtual. Yeah,
0: that's really interesting to hear how that dynamic is kind of just kind of broadening our options and expectations right around thinking differently and thinking well we don't really have to do things the same way we've been pushed out of our comfort zone so we could stay there if we if we choose um, how's that going uh, in Edmonton Amy
1: yeah very similar um, I think you know I can't speak a lot for the enrollment team necessarily for volunteers um, but I do think that there's some some of that desire to still do pieces of that work in person with the interview. Um, it has been great though for training. It's kind of cool to see what, yeah, what is possible in terms of training volunteers more efficiently. Um, and I think to Emma's point earlier, you know, maybe serving some kids that live more rural or remote um, mm-hmm. with a virtual match or maybe as an option. So, of course, still line to see those matches connect in person for the most part, but for some of those youth, um, for whatever reason, that might be a better fit for online. It'd be kind of neat to have that continue as a possibility for them. Um, and same maybe with some of the groups and, like I said, with our network um, programming for some of those older youth that are pretty proficient online, um, we can mm-hmm. engage in that way of transportation's barrier or things like that. So. I think it has opened our eyes to see what is more possible, and that maybe you can do some of both.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And how um, how would you respond to that, Emma, for for folks in Lethbridge and surrounding area?
3: Well, I think in terms of intake, we are excited to go back to in-person meetings. There's something that's more personal and engaging about meeting in person. But we haven't taken virtual matches off the table. Uh, I think we'll keep it open as an option, but we will be most likely going. We've been very flexible about the time commitment with some of our matches. saying like 20 minute phone calls half an hour as long as your little can engage that's fine um i know as a caseworker i'm looking forward to going back to the one-year commitment there's just something about giving a child a full year or longer than a year that um, is more beneficial for them so we'll offer virtual matches i think when we'll continue to offer that but it'll need to be the one-year commitment
0: i was also just thinking as you were talking about some of the barriers or some of the reasons that matches close right now are often around circumstance or people moving and maybe that would give people the option to to meet their one-year commitment more more often when those kind of life circumstances change um if they had the option to to meet virtually as opposed to in person or even partially virtually right if it's like well we could get together once a month in person but if we could get together once a week um those other three times um virtually then then i could keep this match going for um for the full 12 months or longer right
3: I've had matches uh, before COVID where they had to move to Calgary and they said, well, I'll drive from Calgary to Lethbridge once a month to see my little. Mm -hmm. And it's a little hit or miss in terms of the commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes the volunteers don't take the commitment seriously enough Mm -hmm. um, when we are as flexible as, as we need to be during COVID. So it'll be interesting to see how meaningful the relationships can be virtually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does come back down to that, right? Because I think as organizations and staff, we know we can support people to to do a lot of different things, but then it's like, is that still meaningful? Is that still meeting the the outcome and the end goal that we started out to um, you know based off of, right? And and is it still um, the the value and the impact still there or or significant enough, right? And how, And then measuring that, of course, gets tricky. I was part of an evaluation conversation of saying like, okay, how do we know when good is good enough? Like is, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and is it enough of an impact? Is it enough of a support and, and uh, significant enough of a relationship, right? Um, so we have a couple of questions coming in and I did want to flip over to kind of question time now. Um, so one person has asked, how is follow up and monitoring uh, for matches done now? Um, maybe Jennifer, can you talk to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so same as um, it was before for our community matches, our coordinators still reach out to their caseload via um, phone calls and emails. The difference is is that when there are any in-person meetings that are scheduled to come up, then they would be doing it um, like on a Zoom platform or FaceTime or whatever the family or volunteer um, works with. And then for our school-based matches, um, our mentor, our mentoring coordinators have just been reaching out to um, the littles and their parent guardians whom we typically don't have much contact with in the school programs. So it's kind of in a nice way that our coordinators are able to, to chat with families to see if there are any extra supports that are needed um, during this time. So essentially kind of how we've always been doing it, but any uh, in-persons would just be done virtually
0: and is that consistent across Lethbridge and Edmonton's experience? Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing Heads nodding so okay I won't make you all answer that one and let's go ahead Emily if you have anything else.
3: I'm add. finding connecting over zoom for a four-month review or the annual review um, sometimes doesn't work so some, sometimes I just do a phone call. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what do you mean when not- you say that sometimes doesn't work? Um, like that, people aren't willing to get on or that you're not able to get what you need out of the conversation.
3: Right um, so some technology issues uh, volunteers have moved back to Calgary or Edmonton they've got a lot going on with their work schedules and that kind of thing so sometimes a phone call just works better.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, and then people are, and please keep the questions coming in. Someone else is asking, are you getting more or less or the same amount of volunteer interest? Um, and I guess we could take that to mean like now, like since COVID as the start date of that. Anyone want to take that one on?
2: Um, I can go. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, Sorry okay right, thanks um actually we have seen so for the month of may uh we had seen just over 100 volunteer inquiries um either from our website through the uh volunteer connector website so we've been seeing um a really good engagement i think last may if we compare the numbers we had maybe 30 inquiries and now it's over 100 so we've definitely seen the uh, the uptake
0: that's really interesting to hear that there's actually more volunteer um, interest we could probably hypothesize about why that might be and Amy what are you seeing
1: yeah so I don't have exact numbers um but we have seen uh, a good amount of interest and all of them are getting funneled to community base just because you can't put anyone in the club right now or in our ISM um, so they that team is working through um processing a lot of those volunteers so there still has been a good amount of interest which is great
0: mm-hmm. And Emma, are you also receiving kind of new volunteer requests?
3: Yeah, I think it has to do with people having more time. Um, mm. That's what we're hearing, um, that they their hours have been cut down at work. Uh, school has been online, so it's been uh, less of a time commitment for university. Students here in Lethbridge are um, a big part of our volunteer base. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in September. Mm-hmm. um if students will come back to to the city um for uh university if universities have their classes online so the impact mm-hmm. we'll see more in the fall i think than we are right now
0: yeah yeah and a lot of people just if they were involved in any kind of i'm going to say extracurricular but like Evening or weekend type of um, activities, a lot of those are canceled or on hold or just, you know, kind of dispersed until the next year. So um, a lot of people's schedules are just freed up in different ways, right? And and um, previously, most people's initial response to volunteering is that they didn't have enough time, right? So that's a big a big factor. Um, so I just want to. Uh, take our our people who are on mute off of mute so that they have a chance to ask questions um this is mostly important for if anyone called in instead of logging on the computer they haven't been able to send a question uh, from chat so we want to to give them an option to to be able to ask any questions they have so um Andy can you just let me know once you've taken everybody off of off of mute and we'll give a, a few minutes for people okay we're off mute now everyone so um yeah, I'll just, I'll be quiet for a little bit and you can direct your question to to the whole panel or to a specific person if you'd like. you
3: I heard a bit of something, but I didn't catch the question.
0: I don't know if that was maybe just the platform telling us that we're not muted anymore. Could have been just that. So I'm glad to see the questions that have that have come in. Um, thank you for everyone for participating in that way. Um, I'm just scrolling back up to make sure we haven't missed any. Someone had asked the question about using the same virtual platforms, but I think we answered that through our, our questions after the fact. Now, um, yeah, I think we've covered everything that came through at this point so I'll just turn it to the panelists is there anything else you wanted to share about things your organization is doing or you know just on the same sort of subject lines but that didn't get covered in in the questions I know there was a lot of overlap and that kind of thing but
3: if I could add something
0: Mm
3: we've had to modify our go girls and game on groups uh because we usually say avoid social media avoid connecting online and so we my coworker and i came up with our sessions and we covered covid related challenges that the kids and youth may be facing so we talked about internet safety social isolation loneliness mental health and self-care all those kinds of topics which is a little bit um outside of what the go girls program is when it's run in the schools and we were able to have that flexibility because it's run over the summer months when school's out but and then we connected with the girls and with the, the young men and asked them, like, what would you like to do during the sessions. Mm-hmm. And we found that our sessions were a little information heavy. And so we had to modify them to just be more fun and casual.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is interesting because there's some things we've shied away from doing virtually um, <laughs> for. A variety of reasons i guess we all know what they are um but it's interesting to now say okay how do we make sure we can still do this but like you said with the right um understanding of how things should be used and um you know uh, safety precautions and those kinds of things in place. So, all right. As we only have a few minutes left, we have a couple evaluation questions that we want to put up here. Um, and so, those are going to these are going to be polls um, that you can respond to for anyone who's on the line. So, um, yeah, we've got them up there now. So, we just want to know was the information in this webinar of value to you on a scale of of one to five? And we're using this information just to be able to um to organize our web sessions and to to understand if we're meeting the need that's um that's out there. So I'll just give a few minutes for responses. And then we'll jump to the next question in a in a couple seconds here.
3: I apologize Rochelle, I'm unable oh. to fill out
0: the quick poll. Oh, I think that panelists aren't able to. So I think this oh, is okay. just for people who are attending that aren't panelists unfortunately. Thank you. <laughs> but thank you for your eagerness to contribute. That's always appreciated. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Andy, I think we can move to the next question, which is, was there something you wanted to learn that wasn't covered? Um, And then this gives us a chance to either include that in a future webinar um, or to get back to you with an answer to a question, if it's something we can respond to via email. And um, if there's something that wasn't covered, if you could enter into the chat box, like I said, either if we have time now, we can answer the question or work get back to you offline. Um, and then our last question just around, is, did the format of the webinar work well for you? And we're talking there about technical issues. Were you able to get on and hear everybody and see what you wanted to see? And um, just helps us know if, if using this particular platform is, uh, inconvenient or convenient convenient for everyone okay in our last two minutes here I just wanted to bring people's attention to to two um, surveys that are uh, out there in the world right now I'm not sure if you would have seen them in other um, if you have the AMP newsletter you've probably seen some notices about them but the Canadian Mentoring Partnership is currently funding two surveys. One of them is a survey of youth development and mentoring organizations. So um, for um, any organization that's uh, focused around youth development and mentoring, we're wanting organizational responses. Um, so if your organization hasn't had a chance to answer that survey, we'd really encourage you to, to get your input in there. Um, yeah, Andy's got it up there a bit. A bit of the questions. Um, so, really, the the way that that's being used is to understand what's currently existing for support for children and youth, um, and then also to help identify any any gaps where needs for services might not be there. And that's um, this survey is in conjunction with another survey, which is the National Youth Mentoring Survey, which is geared towards those. Um, it's 18 to 30 i believe um and it's a reflective survey asking people to to respond based on um their past experience whether they had mentoring when they needed it whether um whether they participated in mentoring um either as a mentor or as a mentee and and get some feedback around that so if you have a chance to pass those survey links on to to anyone who might be able to to participate we'd really appreciate additional responses um all right we're at time so i just want to say a final thank you to to amy and jennifer and emma for for your time with us today it was really um i feel like it was really informative and really helpful to hear your responses to those to those questions that we had and um just really thought-provoking to to explore um, you know all the unknowns that are I guess ahead in our future and what's currently happening right now and um, I know I asked you a lot of predictive things like what do you think is going to happen and I know those are really tough um, to answer and to visualize uh, just because of the level of unknown so I I appreciate you uh, engaging in that in that experience with with us here today so a hearty thank you, and I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon. And maybe the sun will come out in Edmonton, but I'm glad you have sun in Calgary and Lethbridge and can and can enjoy it. Um, yeah, so I'll just we'll just sign off, and uh, thank you to everybody who came in on the line as well. We really appreciate the participation, and please let us know uh, at Alberta Mentoring Partnership if there's anything we can we can do better or other ways you'd like to connect. So,
2: thanks for showing. Did- Take Thanks, care,
3: take everybody. Care. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.